You are Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Fantasy Football 24-7 Podcast. Fantasy football all day, every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 11th. Week 1 is officially in the books, Willie and Ethan here from Fantasy Football 24-7. You can find me on Twitter at WillieFF247. And you can find Ethan on Twitter at ETurnerFF underscore PT. Make sure to hit the main hub for 247 on Twitter at FFB underscore 247. We're going to be dropping a new episode Monday through Thursday every single week during the 2018 NFL season. On today's show, we will recap the early Monday night game uh, let's be honest, because we were recording this bad boy on Sunday night, and, and it, the late game is just underway. Uh, so we're going to dive into that first one because we can't be up all night. We will also get Ethan's take on the injury-packed week one, and we will tell you which players you should be putting a claim in for the waiver wire this week. Ethan, week one is behind us, man. Did your fantasy teams hold up better than the Steelers did? Oh, man, that's brutal. Uh, no, they did not. I got I got hit with a bunch of buzz saws. A lot of Tyree Kills, a lot of Mike Evans, a lot of Alvin Kamara, none of them on my team. So it was pretty rough week one. But, hey, it's only one week, right? That's right, man. It's not, no shame in starting 0-1-1 in some leagues. you got next week to bounce back. All right, before we get into the show, don't forget to get entered to win that signed Earl Campbell Hall of Fame edition jersey this year. All you have to do to enter to win this bad boy is rate and review us on iTunes. And make sure you leave your Twitter handle and or your email on your reviews so we can get a hold of you if you are the one that wins. All right, man, on to this Monday night recap. This New York Jets at the Detroit Lions. I'll dive in on the Jets here. And look, this one did not pan out like many people projected. The Jets straight up dominated the Lions 48-17. to On the Jets side, quarterback Sam Darnold, look, he started his NFL career not so hot. Pick six, but he ended up getting the last laugh when it was all said and done. 198 passing yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. For Darnold in this one, Darnold, like I said, I'm not. I'm still not looking to start this guy unless he's my second quarterback and my only option in two quarterback leagues. Um, this was really an all-around performance, not necessarily Sam Darnold just dominating. He's still still a rookie, solid upside, and a good start for the Jets, no doubt. But I'm still going to go ahead and keep him on my bench if I can. Like I said, onto the Jets running backs. They had a solid night. Isaiah Crowell especially broke off that 62-yard touchdown that really put him over the top. Finished tonight with 102 yards and two touchdowns. He was out-touched by Bilal Powell, 13-10, to 10, but he still had the bigger night. We knew that this was a good matchup for one of those guys. Crowell was the one that, the, uh, that, that ended up getting it. As far as the pass catchers go, the wide receivers, Quincy Anunua was the guy out of the wide receivers for the Jets. Saw 10 targets, end of the night with six catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. I know it's one week of action, but he looks like he is the guy to own if you're going to own any of these Jets pass catchers. Uh, he was, I mean, like I said, 10 targets. Darnold was looking his way heavily. Robbie Anderson, who was more than often drafted higher of all these wide receivers, end of the night with one reception, 41 yards. Nothing spectacular there. Didn't didn't even hear his name called until uh, later on in the night. As far as the tight ends for the Jets, this was exactly what we expected and talked about last night. No one to own here. Neil Sterling, a seventh-round pick in 2015 by the Jaguars, was the leading tight end with three catches for 27 yards. I don't see any value from that tight end room 
this season. We'll, we'll see what it holds up. But as far as that, I mean, I'm not t- I'm not looking at any of these guys. There's there's seems to be zero upside from the tight end position and the New York Jets. Ethan, what about the Lions, man? What did you think about their performance? Yeah, before I get into the Lions, I will say Robbie Anderson did save his fantasy owners this week with with that touchdown on the 41-yard reception. So even though it's not a good look for just the one one reception, the touchdown probably bailed out a lot of people. Now, onto the Lions, we're looking at, well, I'm just going to put it bluntly here. If you if you started Matthew Stafford, you probably lost your week this week. Stafford threw 46 times, 286 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions. The Jets' defense was all over him the whole night. He took a bunch of big hits. At one point, he took a, a shot to the gut that I, I thought I was going to have to be covering on the injury section of tonight's podcast, to be honest, because he looked like he was pretty shaken up by that. Clearly a game to forget for Stafford. Game was tied 17 all going in the third quarter, and then the Jets' defense on special teams just kind of blew the doors off of them. Another big casualty when you have a game that's a blowout like that is going to be the run game. Less than 50 total yards on the ground for the Lions. Not a good look for your guys like Carrion Johnson. Garrett Blunt actually left the game with a knee injury. Not really sure what's going on with him yet. We'll probably have to update everyone later in the week on that, but just not a good game for the Lions on the ground, in the air, anywhere, really. No one looked particularly good again in that backfield. I just feel like a lot of that falls on that O-line that received a lot of buzz heading into the season. A lot of people thought that this offensive line was going to be a lot better, and it just it did not show tonight, I can tell you that. They were getting beat on pretty much every play. So even in an ugly game, there were a few bright spots for Detroit. Golden Tate had seven catches on 15 targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. Obviously going to save his PPR value, of course, there with the touchdown and the receptions. Kenny Galladay, a guy a lot of people were looking at to break out last season, had 12 targets, turned those into 114 yards, so a really good start for his sophomore campaign as well. Outside of that, though, honestly, it was just kind of a game to forget for the Lions, Lions fans. Anyone who owned Matthew Stafford is going to be disappointed come tomorrow. Man, it, it, I had a, a fair my fair share of the Stafford and, and Tate stack in DFS for this this one tonight and it, it just it wasn't their night man it was the Jets night uh, through and through like you said from start to finish all facets of facets of the game they they really dominated this one uh, all right before we move on to the next segment we have make sure you are checking on the Locked On Network it is expanding with college shows coming up this week Locked On Wolverines Locked On Buckeyes and Locked On Seminoles plus we already have Locked On Ducks Nindy Lions Bears the Crimson Tide Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and Cougars. Make sure you find your favorite college shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. All right, man, you know what you're here for. You know what the people love to hear you talk about, these injuries. And unfortunately, week one was full of them. So let's start with the big ones first. Delaney Walker, is he is is he done for, for the year, man? Yeah, so Walker was tackled from behind and got his ankle rolled up under the defender. The team has already placed him on the IR, ruled him out for the year, but the exact injury was not fully disclosed. Based on what I saw, I think he suffered an ankle ankle dislocation, likely a high ankle sprain with a fractured fibula. Those two things, the high ankle sprain and the fractured fibula, tend to go together. So a very similar injury, actually, to what Odell Beckham Jr. had last season, you know, so we're We're going to expect him to have surgery in the next few days. Obviously, the season ending is a a big issue, but 
it's football, man. These kind of things happen. You know, the real question here is what does it look like for Walker's future and dynasty value? You know, obviously redraft he's done, but he's getting up there in age. He just signed a two-year extension, $12 million guaranteed. He's been to three straight Pro Bowls. Obviously, that streak is going to end this year as well. And he leads all tight ends with over the last five seasons with 356 receptions. Willie, what do you think, man, being a dynasty guy? Are you stashing him in dynasty leagues? Are you dropping him? Do you think a guy like John New Smith is going to take over there? I think we all expect the Smith takeover to happen eventually. The thing with Walker, like you said, for his dynasty value, I, I think you just have to hold him. I don't think you're going to be able. You're not going to be able to trade him for anything. Um, nobody's going to take take on that uh, with the unknown. And we, you, you just don't know. Like you said, you spoke about all that this guy's done. Great guy through and through, and he has just you know been a monster on the field and and really the the guy you could lean on and Mister Consistency for the Titans in terms of the pass catching options there. Uh, I, I own my fair share of Walker. I'm just going to hold on to him because there's nothing really else that you can do with him. I don't want to drop him. And, you know, he does come back for one more season and, and he does have, have another good year, but you're not going to trade him for anything either. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I just think you have to hold on to him. If you have an IR spot, you're going to have to stash him and just hope that some good news comes out later on down, the, down the road. Absolutely. All right. On to Doug Baldwin. What's going on here, man? Sounds like he hurts the opposite knee. Is that correct? Yeah. So he actually has a grade two tear in his MCL. So that's a pretty serious injury. Grade three is a complete tear. So this is just grade two typically just means that there's some laxity or looseness in the joint in that in the area of that that MCL. It's not a complete complete tear but it's on the opposite knee of the one that he hurt this preseason so the ligament has good blood flow and can self-repair but it takes time the good news is with that there's no surgery the bad news is that he could miss anywhere from two to six weeks the team has a week seven bye, and knowing that he's already banged up a little bit it could be a, a role player here as well you know he may be ready week six but the game's against the Raiders, so the team might just opt to hold him out all the way until week eight, which would obviously be a big blow to fantasy owners. So question for you here, and uh, maybe it's dumb, but hey, that that's uh, I'm on this side of the table. So we already knew he was dealing with a bum knee. Does this give that knee a little bit more time to repair itself and not be an issue, or does the the injury to the other knee pose problems with possible overcompensation down the road to something that he may have needed to really manage throughout the year on his initial hurt knee. You'll see that range of kind of like two to six weeks. I think with the other knee playing a factor here, I think you are going to see it closer to that six week mark. I don't expect him back in two weeks. They've, they've kind of, they haven't put a full timeline out on him yet, but I just don't expect it. I do think it plays a role. The question is how much, you know, I don't think that this, this knee injury was associated with the other one. But in terms of healing, they may give him a little extra time to see how healthy they can get him for the year. Man, this is exactly why I just I just stood away, man. Not not because we forecasted another injury to his opposite knee, but man, it's just you knew he was he was going in uh, less than one hundred percent, and you just can't be shocked when you see something like this happen. All right, on to Greg Olson, foot injury here. How how bad does this one look? It looks pretty bad, I'll be honest. You know, he left the game with the foot injury. That's the same foot that he had Jones fracture surgery on last season. Olsen 
had that surgery, missed eight games. The problem with the Jones fracture, and I've said this multiple times, is it's notorious for needing multiple surgeries. We've seen it before with Des Bryant, Julio Jones. I'd put a high probability that he re-injured his foot in the same the same with basically the same injury with the Jones fracture again and that a second surgery is probably going to be imminent. They have not released what the injury is yet. They've said that it's not related. I'm just not buying that. The data out there shows that highly likely that they re-enter this the same foot. It's the same thing. They put them in the boot already. It's just nothing good is coming out of this. The data also out there shows that return is right around that eight to 12 week mark. So this is a pretty significant injury, probably a fantasy season ender for most teams and anything less than 10 weeks. If they return with less than 10 weeks of recovery, there's actually a significant decrease in production post-injury. So Olsen could be droppable if that's if it is in fact another Jones injury and that comes out and they say he needs surgery. Yeah, and he could be in that same conversation that we just talked about with Delaney Walker, which ironically these guys kind of had the same storylines coming into the season. Those older tight ends that you thought you could land some solid value in the mid to later rounds and and we could be looking out a season without both of them. It's a bummer for sure. Yeah, man, two two great guys, no doubt about it. All right, on to Aaron Rodgers. Look, before he came back and saved the day for the Packers against the Bears, he did go out for a while. What's going on here? Yeah, so he missed most of the first half with what I believe is an MCL sprain. Uh, could possibly have some meniscus involvement as well. They haven't released what the injury was exactly, so I'm going based on just my observation from the video and watching the game. Uh, like you said, he did return with the uh, small brace. It wasn't an, one of the large, bulky ones that you see. It's a smaller brace that was actually under his uniform. So a lot of people didn't really even notice. I think at one point they did zoom in on it, but a lot of people did not notice that he was wearing a brace. He goes, he comes back, crazy return. But I'll be honest, he did not look comfortable to me on that left leg. We won't hear much about this until Wednesday as a press conference, and they're usually pretty hush-hush about Rodgers when he's hurt. But right now, I'd say that it's about 75-25 that he plays in Week 2 based on him returning this week and the nature of the, of the MCL, if that is the case. I don't, I don't know what you're going to get in terms of mobility. I think he's going to be, if he plays, his mobility will be limited. How We've seen that he can play on one leg already, so I don't know how that affects his fantasy value. I would say that if he plays, you have to start him. Absolutely. I don't think there's any way that you bench him for sure, but it's something to watch because we know what kind of style that he plays with, man. And and if you're telling me anything's impairing his mobility, it's something to, to kind of spike the the red flags, at least until we see a full game of him looking normal, like you said. All right, on to some rapid fire, man. Talk to me about some other guys that got injured and, and your take on on their week two status and maybe even beyond. Yeah, so Jeremy Hill is out for the year with a torn ACL, confirmed on Monday. Not much to say. I don't know if a lot of people were really expecting him to be something, but he did make the roster. He was getting touches, so obviously a big blow there. Looking for Rex Burkhead to get a bump in the short term and maybe Sony Michelle in the long term. Leonard Fournette went went out of this game in week one with a hamstring strain, probably cost some people some fantasy points, but doesn't appear to be major. I'd expect him back week two. Devonte Freeman, again, missed a few drives and actually split time with Tevin Coleman pretty e- evenly when he was in the game. Reports are that he has a minor knee issue and will play week two. My question is how much? Are they going to baby him in? Are they going to let him 
kind of take over the reins again. I expect them to kind of split time with Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman may even get a 60-40 split there. Will Fuller, he missed week one dealing with a hamstring strain. Head coach Bill O'Brien expects him back week two. Not a big deal there. And then Marcus Mariota, and probably the weirdest injury of the week, was hit late on a play on the right elbow and experienced some numbness in his hand afterwards. Now, the ulnar nerve is actually a nerve that wraps under the elbow and is likely the cause of this, or in more layman's terms, he hit his funny bone pretty hard. He should be fine for week two. This symptoms usually resolve in a couple days. All right, man, let's take a quick break, and then we will dive over to some waiver wire pickups. All right, man, let's dive into these waiver wires here. Let's start with some players that are going to be likely available, owned in less than 50% of leagues. The first guy I want to talk about is the guy that I was shocked to see that he's owned in 37% of leagues only, and that's George Kittle. How the hell is this guy not owned in more leagues than 37%? Dude, led the Niners in targets with nine, five receptions, 90 yards, almost had a touchdown too. Uh, Look, he looks to be a huge part of this offense. We know what he is. He is a every down tight end who can block and he's a freak athlete that can, that can do it all, man. And, and I think that this was just a little glimpse of what this season could hold. He was up against the Minnesota defense that we all know is very good. If George Kittle is available in your league, pick that dude up quick, man. Who, who's a guy that you're looking at that you're hoping that he is available in one of your leagues? Yeah, so my first guy here is John Brown. He may not have had a huge week, but the Ravens, the team he plays for, sure did. They they put the hurting on the Bills this week with that just shellacking. But John Brown actually had three catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. He also had a touchdown this preseason. He's been primarily a field stretcher, but it seems that he may be in for a fair amount of red zone target that targets this year one thing that's not talked about is he actually has sickle cell trait and he moved from one of the highest elevated fields in the arizona cardinals field down to one of the lowest elevation fields in baltimore so that my hope is that he can recover from some of that and that will not bother him as much yeah he looked great man that that so did joe flack i was i was really impressed by the Ravens is not because they were playing the Bills, but just by the offensive uh, production there. The next guy I'm looking at is Johnny Smith. Obviously, we talked about Delaney Walker being out for the season. And there's, I mean, the dynasty community could all, you know, they're they're all over Johnny Smith. They have been. He's owned in 0.2% of leagues and redraft leagues. And for good reason, you know, you look to Delaney Walker to be that guy and Smith to have no value. So as long as he was there, but in steps this guy, Titans third round pick from last season, and he's going to step in in a role in Walker's role who recorded hundred plus targets in the past four seasons, 92% 92nd percentile athlete that I absolutely dominated in college. I expect him to be, um, you know, on top of every waiver wire article you read, he's going to be there for good reason. Hopefully you can get grab him. Uh, if you can, we'll see what this kid has. It's going to be time to, to really see what this hype can turn out to be. Yeah, I agree completely. I think Smith is an, a high level athlete and he is going to fill in nicely in a tight end friendly offense. It's a good one. My next guy here is going to be Ryan Grant. You know, he had a nice week one operating as Andrew Luck's number two wide receiver. He had eight catches on nine targets for 59 yards, no touchdowns, but a solid day for PPR. Now I don't expect Luck to be throwing 53 times a week like he did this week. 
but I do expect this team to be playing from behind often. They're not a good team, even with an elite quarterback, and I do think Luck is going to be elite again this year with Luck looking to be back in form. I just want any part of this offense that I can get, and Ryan Grant's currently only owned a 9.7% of ESPN leagues, which is, I think is crazy. Yeah, I expect that to change drastically over the weekend. Another one, Austin Eckler owned in only 11% of leagues. Look, I've been saying it for weeks now. This dude's going to have standalone value, and he showed that in week one. 125 total yards and a touchdown, 23 PPR points in week one. Grab him ASAP. Like I, he, You want parts of offenses like this, like the Chargers, who are going to put up points and move move the ball. They have shown that they want this kid involved, regardless of Melvin Gordon, which we saw. We saw both. We saw Melvin Gordon get the workhorse uh, workload in week one, and we saw Austin Eckler have a, a very uh, predetermined role and he's shown to be very efficient on a on a yards per touch basis. And if anything happens to to Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler is going to absolutely explode. So grab him ASAP if you can. Yeah, I really like Eckler a lot this season. He reminds me a lot of Chris Thompson, to be honest. Just uh, he's going to be a PPR monster. He's going to be useful in that flex position. And only eleven percent owned. That's going to have to change because. He is just a, a, an explosive playmaker that can really break one off if he needs to. My next guy, we've talked about him a little bit, is actually Quincy Anunwa. Only owned a 9.2% of leagues. Probably going to be a popular waiver wire pickup this week based on his 10 targets in week one. And he does look to be Sam Darnold's go-to guy early in the season. I don't expect 50 points of offense from the Jets every week. But if Anunwa can maintain that op- volume, he could be a safe floor in PPR leagues, and we don't know. Donald could could just be that good, and they could start scoring a lot of points. So I want a piece of that, and Anunwa looks to be the guy that I'm going to be able to get in the most leagues. Yeah, the connection was obvious, and yeah, if I'm taking a flyer, it's going to be on him for sure. Another guy that I'm willing to take a flyer on is Philip Lindsay, man, former CU buff, now a Denver Bronco. Did not see this use coming for sure this is one of the more surprising uh performances for me appears to have passed up Devonte booker as the broncos number two running back and he had himself a day tied royce freeman for a team high 15 carries and 71 yards and added 31 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown look he is he appears to be the spark that this running back room has been missing and the broncos usage shows that they intend on using him in that role and you know him getting 15 carries shows that they don't just think he's just a pass catcher or you know a, a change of pace back they, that says that they want to get him involved we know that Royce Freeman how good he has looked and and what uh, a lot of people spent and expect of him but Philip Lindsay this dude was clearly not drafted in you know the majority most leagues but it looks like him and Royce Freeman could really make a great one-two punch this season so I am picking up Philip Lindsay anywhere I can to see to see what, what what the future holds for this kid, no doubt about it. All right, man, that is a wrap. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at WillieFF247. You can find Ethan at EturnerFF underscore PT. And you can find the main hub at FFB underscore 247. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and stay tuned for tomorrow's show. Debro and I will be diving into some week two top fantasy games of the week, and we will be talking some DFS. All right, Ethan, great stuff as always, man. We will catch you next time.